0: I'm Laurel Ruma from O'Reilly Media, and today I'm speaking with Tammy Buteau, who is a Principal Site Reliability Engineer at Gremlin and founder of Girl Geek Academy. And also, we're speaking with Annie Lau, who is a Software Engineering Manager at Trulia. So let's start off with a basic question. Tammy, how did you get here? What was your path to your current job as an SRE?
1: I've always loved working with computers since I was really young. And I I did take a pretty traditional path. I studied um, computer science after university. And then I got a job as an engineer straight out of university. Um, And I actually worked at a bank. And in my very first role, I was put onto a team which was, it had been an acquisition. And that was a really interesting, challenging opportunity because things were broken all the time. Um, Mm. And it was a lot of work. So. Yeah, I learned a ton working on that team. I did that for quite a while. And then I worked on a number of other teams across the bank. But obviously, when you're working at a bank, uptime matters. Um, transactions matter. You know, your customers really care that everything works well all the time. And if, they, if it doesn't, then they'll go, and work, go to another bank. Um, and you're also processing things like mortgages. So if you don't do a good job, then people might not be able to purchase that dream home that they had on their mind that they really wanted to get. So I always really cared a lot about making sure that I could do a good job as an engineer. And then I decided to move to America and I worked at um, DigitalOcean first on cloud infrastructure. Then I worked at Dropbox as an SRE manager for a few years, leading the databases and Magic Pocket block storage team. And after that, I decided I've seen a ton of benefit come specifically through chaos engineering. To me, that is like the number one way that you can make a really big impact. And I just wanted to go 100% into the field of chaos engineering and Gremlin is the first ever company to actually focus on that and to have built a platform that customers can use to do chaos engineering straight out of the box. So yeah, I was really excited to join Gremlin and that's how I'm here. Can you define quickly what
0: chaos engineering is compared to any other kind of engineering?
1: Yeah, sure. So the idea of chaos engineering is that you're facilitating experiments that enable you to uncover weaknesses in, within your systems. So often when you do something like you uh, focus on site reliability engineering, you're looking at a lot of different things, monitoring, observability. You might be doing some automation. You're building a lot of internal tools to help teams move faster. And there's a lot of great work that you can do, but and it's very broad. So then the thing as being an SRE, what I like to do is figure out what are the key things that I want to focus on? For me, I've always worked with databases for the past 10 plus years. So that was always an area of mine that I spent a lot of time working on and developing my skills in. And then when you look at how do you build very resilient databases and database infrastructure, chaos engineering to me is a great way to do that. And every company has some type of data storage, database. So the idea there is, as a a concrete example... If you want to make sure that your database is resilient, you need to actually do something like inject failure into your database infrastructure mm-hmm. by, for example, killing a replica and making sure that you're able to have another one pop into your cluster or killing a primary and making sure that it's replaced efficiently, quickly, safely by a replica. So that's a really good example. And otherwise, if you, if you don't do chaos engineering, then you're just like going with your gut really, you know, and just waiting for bad things to happen. But the idea with chaos engineering is that you're pro- proactively injecting failure when you're everyone's awake, all of your experts are there, are available to ask questions, to answer questions, to work with each other instead of it happening at 2am, 3am in the morning.
0: Well, that's great. I can see how your background certainly helped you um, come to that. Well, it's sort of a new career, isn't it? SRE, like this focus of intentionally bringing chaos to groups. I guess Amazon was one of the first Companies really herald that, right? Um, unplugging yeah. servers in the middle of the night, et cetera. Um, yeah. So, Annie, how about you?
2: So, uh, I think I have a similar beginning like Tammy. Um, as a child, I've always been fascinated with technology and curious about how everything worked. I think before online shopping was a thing, I always loved like, going to Fry's Electronic and spending hours and hours just playing with all the electronic things and gadgets there. But I wasn't really clear about wanting to pursue an engi- uh, a career path in software engineering until after I went to UC Berkeley. When I took my first uh, CS course, um, that's when I realized that I really, really love programming and coding and solving complex problems. So that was kind of how I got into uh, software engineering and deciding that I wanted to take that path. And then shortly after I graduated, I started um, at a startup. It was called uh, Simulate back then, and uh, unfortunately, it's no longer around. But from that very first job, I really was able to really see how um, being a software engineer affects uh, businesses and affects uh, individuals at a level that you can really help them. Because when I first built my first widget um, at my, the startup that I was working with, I got confirmation and a testimony from one of our clients uh, telling me how great our product was. And how it really impacts their users and really enhance their business. And they even like donated it to our company. So that was a really confirmation and uh, you know to me that I made the right choice. Um, and how I ended up at Trulia was that I had a friend that worked at Trulia, and he was telling me about the wonderful culture here, how everybody is really inviting, very inclusive, and they had this thing called Innovation Week where we just stopped working. And everybody was, it's just innovating. And I was kind of shocked, like, what? You guys just like stop working all together? And you just innovate? How does that work? Um, So it piqued my interest. And because of that, I applied and um, I never regret coming here.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So you too kind of had this path of how important engineering is to helping solve problems and help people. But then Annie, also this side of kind of thought of innovation and how to really start applying some of those engineering techniques to build a better company definitely was part of it. Yes. Um, okay, so Tammy, you founded Girl Geek Academy with the mission to educate 1 million women on how to code by 2025. Why did you do that and you know what is the purpose of, you know, can, bringing more women into engineering specifically?
1: Yeah. So when I was in high school I actually went to a public school, but it was an all girls school in Australia. So obviously like my computing classes from very young age were filled with girls. They were just packed. You know, we had multiple classes within my year because programming was so popular. So when I was in school I realized like women and girls love building things, like love programming, mm-hmm. love creating the the future of the internet. You know, we were so excited. I, I got the internet back in like nineteen ninety six. And, um, you know, when I hopped on as a young girl, there really wasn't much for girls on the internet, but all of my grade was just so excited. Like we could actually build the future internet. And then when I went to university, there was no, really no girls in my class at all. And Mm. that was quite strange for me. So I was like, no, this is weird. Where is everyone? Um, (laughs) so then I decided after that, like, Hey, like I, I know that girls and women love the idea of being able to create, um, and innovate. So let's actually figure out how we can help make that happen. And instead of, um, you know, I, I decided it would be best to just create something else ourselves. So I got together with four friends and we created Girl Geek Academy with a mission to help teach 1 million girls across the world. And we've taught thousands of girls now across Australia and also America. We run hackathons and also we do game jams because a lot of Girls also love to build computer games. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that we've noticed. And it's just been amazing. So the reason there is like, I just really want to give people the opportunity. If you want to learn how to program, then you can come along to a Girl Geek Academy event and you'll get to meet other girls that love it too. And we we help teach girls as young as five years old, you know, and they just love it. And it's amazing when you get to be there and see them so excited, so happy to go from having an idea to actually building it. Like we all know what that feels like. But Mm -hmm. to give them the opportunity to feel that is just awesome.
0: And Annie, did you see much of that in your own studies as being one of the few women in the program?
2: Yes, we were really rare. Um, And uh, all the CS classes that I took was generally male-dominant, so the same exact experience that I had.
0: Um, I like the way Tammy phrased it. And would you agree? It's sort of like once you've completed that project and actually built something that's that sense of accomplishment that wants you... that makes you to want to keep on going.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the reason why I fell in love with um, software engineering is that you can actually see your finished product and it's, you know, it's very, you do something and then you see the result. It's just an amazing feeling that um, to see your work in action.
1: And I love the idea too, that it really doesn't cost you much money, right? Like it's, it's something that you can do if you just have a computer. Like that's all you need, and you just need the internet and a computer, and you can do really amazing things. So, it's actually really accessible, which I think is quite cool, especially with computers becoming cheaper these days. And you can cool. do amazing things even on an iPad. Mm-hmm. So.
0: <laughs> Very true. I love that. Even on an iPad. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Annie, uh, Trulia has this uh, ethos of, um, like you said, innovation and wealth, you know, bringing people in, being a welcome culture. So with a women in engineering group, that's obviously part of that, but also sort of this um, always be learning focus with a partnership with Code School. Why is it important, do you think, for you as well as Trulia to have this culture of encouraging people to learn, to code?
2: Yeah, I mean, technology is always changing. And there's always new things on the horizon where to help solve complex problems that we are facing um, today and in the future. So it's very important that, you know, as engineers, we keep on learning and keep on sharpening our skill set. So I'm, I'm, that's another reason why I chose to join Trulia is that their kind of investment in each employee where we're provided with so many resources um, we have a budget to buy books that for any subjects that we want to uh, learn. Uh, we have Cold school, we have uh, linda dot com all the resources that they support us. And I think they understand that um, in order to have a great product requires you know engineers and employees that are really up to date in their knowledge and in technology.
0: Yeah, that's really important, obviously, is to keep ahead of not just your competitors, but what technology are you building new for everyone else? Uh But also people are a really important part of that. And as a manager of a team, you know, when you think about when you build a really great team, what are some of those values you try to instill in your team?
2: I think there's three values that I try to instill. The mutual trust and respect um, from every individual, the sense of purpose, and the sense of belonging. Um, you know, I think that what makes a really great team for them to really understand the goal of our team and the projects that we choose to work on and how it affects the overall company and how it affects our user and to be able to trust one another and have a safe atmosphere where we can brainstorm, we can ask questions and no question is dumb question. Um, that's kind of the atmosphere that I try to keep within my team and just really listen to them. I think what as a leader, one of the things that I really try to do it's really spend time with them, listen to their concern, try to identify what are some of their weakness and to give them tools and lessons and things that would empower them so that they can take ownership, find out what they're passionate about and find projects to match them with it.
0: That's really important. And especially that um, role of purpose, you know, Daniel Pink talks about that purpose and autonomy and, and really what you're building, but you're not alone in this mission, right? You're on a team, right? you have goals for the company. And most importantly, you're focused on the customer. So Tammy, when I think of that, I think of chaos engineers as a little bit of lone wolves. So how do you kind of corral those um, rock stars who are obviously very interested in solving problems, becoming that reliable system for customers, but then also working on a team and focusing on what the company needs and what the customer needs?
1: Yeah. Like the interesting thing about, um, SREs is there's really not that many SREs out there in the world. Um, if you, you know, if you look up on LinkedIn and try and find SREs, you'll just see that there's not that many. And, um, usually what happens in most companies is maybe they'll have a handful of SREs that work at the company. And what they'll, what you'll do is you'll be embedded on a team and you'll focus on working really closely with that team. So you become a part of the team. And I think that's a great way to do it because, um, you're there as somebody who can say, hey, like. We've had a lot of incidents recently. Like, let's try and figure out how we can reduce it. Or we had this really big catastrophic outage. Let's make sure that never happens again. And the SIRE can come on, partner with the team that exists and actually um, join them, you know, be part of the team, like like Annie said, belong to the team, brainstorm with them ideas on how to do it, and then they can all work together to make that happen. And for me, that's the best way to do that. And then usually SREs would would actually rotate onto a different team after they've solved a lot of the big issues. And that's what I've seen happen frequently. Um, And I think that works great because then they actually travel across the company and bring along their learnings with them and share stories. And often I love to do things like lunch and learns, um, share what you've learned across different projects that you've worked on, get together as a team, a, a greater team, your whole engineering team. I just think that sort of stuff is really important. But yeah, I mean, you need to work with others. Otherwise, you're you're never going to be able to really understand what the deep problems are that you need to fix.
0: And like you said, when you have a good culture, it's easier to kind of move from team to team because you also have a baseline of expectations. But even when you're working outside with your customers more directly, they know what to expect. So yeah. we don't yeah. necessarily have people kind of coming in and...
1: Yeah, when you're working with your customers to try and help them build more reliable systems, the biggest thing there that I've noticed, because I've worked at several companies now doing reliability work, is a lot of people actually have the same issues, but Mm. they often don't know that they have those issues. So usually what I like to do is spot trends, look for patterns that are occurring, ask people, like, what are the biggest issues that you're currently facing? Like, what are the things that keep you up at night? And then I like to use certain principles like Pareto principle is very good. You know, 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. It's usually like 20% of your issues cause 80% of your biggest problems that you're experiencing all the time. Um, And if you can use something like that and then figure out how do we really prioritize what we want to do chaos engineering on, then that's a great way to start. And you can do that through things like game days where you actually say, let's get together. We'll focus on making our, say, for example, big data infrastructure more reliable and then look at, your data to be able to understand what are the biggest problems that you need to fix and then you just sit down together as a team and actually run some chaos engineering experiments based on all the information that you've collected previously and you'll always learn something new through that day so it's really cool
0: speaking of kind of alternate ways to learn Annie you are talking about bug bounties so how does that kind of fit into a team or company culture that you know you kind of have to stay up on what the latest security violations may be um, in various parts of code and across the industry?
2: Yeah, Bug Bounty, we have a Bug Bounty here, and it's it's actually a quite useful tool because it really allows us to kind of work with the enemy, quote unquote. <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're friendly hackers. They're not going to do anything in harm to our system. But it just really helps to, you know, the Bug Bounty really provides like, rich data for our uh, business stakeholders to really understand what the vulnerabilities and how it affects our user and how it affects our system because you know the business side they're not very technical and if you come to them and tell them oh we have a c-surf that we need to patch up they would have no understanding what that means and no understanding how that affects the user so with the bug bounty it by working with the hackers we're really able to uh, have that rich data that provides us showing the business people and even the engineer who are not as uh, familiar with security on how this vulnerability affects our user, affects our system. And since um, we are incentivizing our hackers to continue to hack us, we'll be able to kind of keep up with the trend of like what are some of like the typical vulnerabilities because, I mean, they're really incentivized to... Um, create valuable reports for us so that they can get good reputation on the platform, they can get reward. And so it, it's overall good for both sides.
0: That's interesting, because it kind of brings us back, Tammy, to the beginning of our conversation about um, proactively injecting failure into your systems. So when you start with incident reporting, you know, how do you, I mean, I think KS engineers probably understand the importance of that, but maybe not all engineers across a team or company would so then, how do you kind of bring that level of awareness about incidents and security to them?
1: The thing that I'm really excited about is I recently actually wrote um, up all of my thoughts on how do you actually create a really successful incident management program, and then I asked a few people to review that—people who have worked at Netflix, Amazon, like all these other great places where they have really good incident management programs—and then I'm going to be presenting that as a three-hour workshop at Velocity. So. I'm going to actually walk through with everyone and go, hey, like if you don't have an incident management program, come along to my workshop and let's create one for your company. Because the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing that's so important is that everybody in your entire company needs to be able to say, hey, something's not working as expected. And the scenario that I love to use is imagine if you're in sales and you're about to go into this demo, you know, you've been working for months, you've been preparing for the demo, you're super excited, you walk in and like everything's not working. And then what do you do? You know, do you start pinging random people? Like, how do you get it fixed? You know, the demo is about to start in 30 minutes. And my workshop's actually going to show you how do you help make sure that you can get that back up and running within a goal of five minutes instead of just having no goal at all. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to be running that.
0: Yeah. And Annie, I mean, with your bug bounty by inviting people from the outside, again, this is testing your own systems and vulnerabilities mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you want to provide a better customer experience right and especially with customers who may not be as tech savvy so that is certainly a focus as well right
2: yes and i mean with like our with us collecting customer data it's really we have a responsibility to really protect our user and actually we really care about our users privacy about their data so we're really invested in ensuring that we keep their data protected
0: I think that's just excellent. I feel like I'm talking to two of the best engineers who do care about their customers so that you're, you're both clearly dedicated to them and per, not just helping build the best systems, but build the best teams to ensure that customers do have great experiences, that they can trust you and your systems. And that to me is a very important part of what it means to be an engineer today. I appreciate both of you coming to talk to us.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it was great you. to talk to you.